0: First 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to deal here uh, uh, with with the first half of this chapter tonight, right down to verse 13. So 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 1, right down to 13, right? It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as has not been so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, and that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then ye must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company of any man that is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one known not to eat. For what have, I done, what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within." But them that are without God judgeth, therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us now as we look to your word? Help us, Lord, uh, to, to see your truth and to see it from uh, in your way, Lord, that we might not be taken in the wrong direction, but that, Lord, our hearts might be open to you and that we might receive all that you have. And, Lord, church discipline is a difficult thing, and, Lord, you know uh, how much our souls loathe it. But Uh, Lord, give us the courage to be the Christians you want us to be, and when it's necessary, to exercise it. In Jesus' name, amen. When we're talking about church discipline, we would normally start uh, with Matthew chapter 18, and we deal with the uh, issue from Matthew chapter 18 and come to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. But in Matthew 18, it tells you, basically, church discipline starts this way, right? Uh, There's an offense between two people. So one person goes to the other person and says, look, there's an offense, there's a problem here, there's a difficulty here. And the person who's caused the offense uh, won't hear them. So what they do then is they, <clears throat> they come and they get somebody else, a witness, to go with them, and they lay out the deal again. That's what they do. They take it and they lay out the deal again. They, they, uh, they, <clears throat> they, they, they show how it is that, they, that they've been hurt or whatever the problem is, whatever the bother is, and they deal with it. And if the, the, the person has the opportunity to hear it with the witness, and if they won't hear it with the witness, uh, then it's taken to the church. Right? and the church deals with the issue now we've done that over the years from time to time we've had to do it as a church we've had to take and deal with issues uh not the nights any of us like to remember that we're involved in those nights because they're tough they're hard but the church needs to deal with issues and the church needs to pass judgment on issues and um, that's what paul is talking about here the corinthian church we know uh, lived in Corinth. And Corinth was a, was a byword for wickedness, for immorality. They, they, they worshipped Diana, and part of the worship of Diana was immorality. It was actually part of the whole deal. You know, that you went with the, with the temple prostitutes, and that was just the, the way it was. So these people, you know, they had a completely <clears throat> different idea of what morality is to you and I, much like our society today does. A completely different idea of morality, you know, where really anything went and, and, and things were okay, and, and then they came to Christ. Well, you know, they came to Christ and they didn't all of a sudden uh, change everything and, and get themselves all turned around. Uh, sometimes they continued to be Corinthians more than they were Christians. Sometimes they cor- continued to live uh, in the, the, the wicked lifestyle and not to fully embrace Christianity. And Paul is writing to them here about a particular case. He says, it's reported commonly that there's fornication, that's immorality among you, uh, and that such fornication as is not so much mentioned among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now, this wasn't a man living with his mother. This was a man living with his father's wife, and it was an immoral relationship, and it was known it was there. Now, understand this, that, you know, we're called to judge righteous judgment. This is one of those cases where you judge righteous judgment. What you do is... You look at an issue and you say it's wrong. Now, our society today says that really nothing is wrong unless it's hurting somebody. But that's not biblical. It's wrong if God says it's wrong. If, if somebody's been hurt by it, that's bad, but that's not the issue. The issue is it's wrong because God says it's wrong. Fornication is wrong. God, God, <coughs> God blesses the marriage relationship, and God says it's blessed, uh, and God says it's a good thing. The marriage bed is honorable and undefiled, and then he says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge, that anything outside the marriage relationship in the physical realm, God says, listen, that's wicked. I'm going to judge it. So that we need to understand that, you know, listen, we live in a society that is Corinthian and in and, and, and many of the ways it looks at society. Uh, the, but <clears throat> we're not to be like that. It's wrong. Fornication is wrong. People living together is wrong. You know, people having uh, sex before they're married is wrong. It doesn't matter whether it's cultural. Well, it doesn't matter how it is. It's wrong. It's just, does it happen? It happens all the time. Are we called to go out there and, and tell all of them they're all wrong? No, but we're to understand that it's wrong. And when it comes to the church, it's not to be mentioned in the church. That's not to happen. That is just not to happen in the church. We are to be clean and holy and right. So understand, there's a standard out there that's acceptable, but it's not acceptable here. Simply because it's not acceptable with God. So we need to understand that. that. That's what Paul is coming, uh, dealing with here. He's saying this is wrong verse 5, <clears throat> sorry, verse 2, he says, And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. These people were proud. I don't know. I always get the sense that they were, they were kind of proud of their tolerance. You know, <clears throat> love is big uh, in Corinth, and we love this brother, and even though he's doing wrong, we still love him anyway. Don't we hear a lot of that in our day and age today? So we hear a lot of that, you know, listen, well, love will cover. We know they're doing wrong, but, you know, we love them, and we're not going to judge them. And it's pious waffle, because there's nothing godly about it at all. You see, we're supposed to call a spade a spade. We're supposed to, when something's wrong, say it's wrong. And Paul is talking to the church here, and he's saying, listen, you guys... You're, you're proud of this thing, you think you're great people, you think you're doing fantastic, and you're not recognizing the fact, listen, this is wicked. And you, you're not praying that this thing gets sorted, that this gets taken away. You're, you're not under a burden over the sin. You're just saying it's okay, it's fine. Now, we have to understand that love will never lead us to accept darkness. It just won't. It's not love. If we're accepting darkness because the, it, that that's really not love. When darkness is accepted and allowed into the congregation, that's not love. What you've done is you've chosen so, chosen something over God and God's offended and God's grieved. It never works. It never helps. So we need to be careful of that one, that our attitude in it is, listen, we love God and we're going to do what he wants us to do. And that, by the way, is going to call upon us. Sometimes as a church, we're going to have to make tough decisions. Sometimes as a church, we're going to have to come together and we're going to have to... You know, call a spade a spade and 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 do the business. And we've done it in the past. And, and, and we'll have to do it again in the future, I'm sure, living in the society that we live in. You know, <clears throat> uh, it doesn't matter whether other or ch- or churches are doing it. That's not They're not the standard. The standard is the Bible. What does God say? You know, the Word of God hasn't changed. And by the way, <clears throat> the case people would make, you know, effectively is, well, you know, it was easier in Bible times uh, for people to be holy because, you know, everything was holy then. No, it wasn't. These people lived in Corinth. It was wicked. It was vile. Paul was still calling them to account and telling them to act like Christians, not like Corinthians. And so he says to you, listen, act like Christians, not like Dubliners. Act like Christians and not like people that live in 2011. That's going to make us different. That's always going to make us different. But listen, that's the way it is. And we need to embrace it if we follow the Bible truthfully what's going to happen is we're going to be separatists because we 're going to come down on God's side of it and that's going to make us separate from people always that's going to happen and, you know that's not what we're, we're not going to go out and pick offenses and look look to fight with people, but that's always going to happen because that's what God says certain things are right, certain things are wrong, and um, we have to be careful that we come down on God's side of it All right verse uh, verse three for verily I For I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. What's he saying? I've already cast my judgment. I heard about it and I've already cast my judgment on it. Now, don't we sometimes say, well, listen, I don't know anything about it, so therefore I can't judge? Listen, when you hear about it and it's wrong, you pass judgment. That's right. If that's true, that's wrong. If that is true, then that is completely wrong. It's not a case of, you know, listen, since I haven't seen it and I haven't been there and I haven't talked to the people, I can't pass any judgment on it. No, listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Paul is basing his judgment here on the fact that it's reported commonly. You know, honorable people have come and they've told him what's going on in the church and Paul is dealing with the issue on that basis. He's saying, listen, this is wrong. I've judged it to be wrong. Verse 5. In, sorry verse four, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That is a terrifying verse. We need to talk about it here for a minute and I'm not sure that I understand fully all that it means. Definitely it means this: this man was to be put out of the church. Next time you come together as a church, I want you to take a vote and I want you to put them out. That's what Paul is saying. I've judged already in this situation. And not only do I want you to put them out, but I want you to put them out of the church and into Satan's hands. And we say, oh, no, we couldn't do that. That's terrible. That's what God wants the church to do in those cases. God wants us to take and to put somebody out of the church. And what does that mean? Look, as far as I can understand, what that means is they're taken out from under the protection of the church and they're put out in the place where Satan can have his way with them. They're put in the place where Satan can can, can do the business with them, where Satan can tear them apart and and, and work them over and um, do what he wants with them. And listen, you know, that is harsh treatment, but that's what the Bible calls for. Now, understand this. We expect, because we've seen this before, you know, we put somebody outside the doors of the church, and, you know, and we're waiting the next day, yeah, it's all going to fall apart. Their world's going to cave in. Everything's going to come in on top of them. And it doesn't. Well, next week it definitely will, and it doesn't. Well, well, definitely. In a month, you know, they should have been dealt with. And they aren't. Now listen, what it's talking about here is they are putting Satan's territory for Satan to deal with. Now, I don't know. That if I was Satan, I would deal with them immediately. Because if Satan dealt with everybody that we put out immediately, you know what everybody in here would say? <gasps> Let's not do that. But have you noticed that when we put somebody out, it never gets better for them? You never have hear of somebody who's been put out of the church and, oh man, life's just getting better and growing better and listen, everything's going well for them. You know, <clears throat> judgment sets in, but it doesn't have to set in according to what we think. And it doesn't have to set in according to what we expect. Judgment sets in, though. Listen, they lose so much. You know, when somebody gets put out of the church, it doesn't mean they're lost and they're going to go to hell, right? That's not what we're talking about, being put in Satan's hands. But it does mean this. It means that that they're ultimately making a choice between God and the world, and they're losing God. And they're losing the fellowship of the church, and they're losing the blessing, and they're losing the impact of those things on their lives. Now, just imagine for a moment if you could live 10 or 15 years without the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. I couldn't. I don't even want to live if I have to live like that. I don't want to be on this planet if I have to live without him. I just don't want to be there. You know, listen, whether it's horrific or drastic or draconian is not the issue. The issue is I'd be without God. You know, Jonah spent three days and three nights had loggerheads with God. God had the great fish uh, swallow him. And finally, Jonah gave in and God had him uh, <clears throat> spat up on the beach. And Jonah said this He said, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. Do you know when you put somebody out of the church, it's the place of no mercy from God? That's a horrible place to be. I need mercy, don't you? I need mercy every day. I need mercy when God touches my life and God gives me things I don't deserve and God blesses me. I, I depend upon it. But you know what? There's no mercy from God. Now, I'm not saying their lives fall apart and they, they hit the dust and, you know, and, and, and everything. That, that, that doesn't necessarily happen. But they are removed from the joy and fellowship of walking with God. That's definitely something that happens. Now, <clears throat> I need to address here another issue. Because I've heard several of you mention it, that church discipline doesn't work. And here's what we mean when we say church discipline doesn't work. Uh, well, people don't come back to church. People don't get under conviction and come back to church. Now, and I understand that's a burden to us because that's what we want. And I understand that we often uh, pitch it. And I've said it this, that, that way that the purpose of church dis- discipline uh, is restoration. But the, the, the basis for that is that in this case that Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he tells them, put him out of the church. They actually get straightened out. They do put him out of the church. right? And so we find that in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to them again, and he's saying, now take him back in. He's repented. Take him back in. Don't leave him out there. You know, they've gotten real hard line. They weren't, they weren't letting the guy back in, and Paul's having to write to them again and take them back in. And so in this case... Church discipline produced restoration. Amen. I wish it happened every time. It doesn't happen every time. That's not what we see happening, but that doesn't mean that church discipline doesn't work. It doesn't mean that because the person didn't come back, therefore church discipline didn't work. And we need to understand that there's a different focus and a different purpose when we look at why church discipline. Look at the next verse. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Now, most of you know what leaven is, right? Most of you've had a piece of leaven in your hand. You've seen somebody put a piece of leaven in the dough, and it 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 blows up like a balloon, doesn't it? It just grows. The heat and the leaven and the bread and all the rest of the uh, stuff working together, it, it it grows up and it you know it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger. Paul's using the application of leaven. Sin, <clears throat> leaven is a picture of sin in the Bible. And he's using that application, that illustration rather. What he's saying to us is, you know, <clears throat> listen, a little sin accepted will grow big. A little sin accepted will, <clears throat> will, will, will increase in the church. What's he saying to these people? He's saying, listen, you're allowing this man to live with his father's wife uh, it's wicked. You all know what's happening. Nobody's dealing with it. What's going to happen if you don't watch out is you're going to find this church riddled with sin. You're going to find immorality all over the church. You're going to find the whole church is being infected by immorality and the church becomes a place where, listen, it's fine for you to live it every way you like. And, and the purity of the church is lost. We've got to be careful because Lifegate Bible Baptist Church is the Lord Jesus Christ's church. And he wants a pure church. You know, the church is regarded in Scripture as being the bride of Christ. That one day in heaven there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb and the church is the bride of Christ is going to be joined with Christ. Now listen, the church is to be a pure bride. And our focus has got to be the fact this church is his church and we want it pure for him. Now, we're not capable of making it completely pure, but we're capable of not allowing the leaven to grow in the church. And we as a church need to have that in mind, that we don't allow the church to become uh, impure, that we don't allow the leaven in. Now, the key element that Paul is dealing with here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is the purity of the church, not the restoration of the other guy. The restoration happens in this case, but that's not the prime directive of Paul. That's not his uh, number one priority. His number one priority is to purify the church. Church discipline does work. It does work. It keeps the church pure. That's what it's supposed to do. And when we exercise it, it keeps the church pure. And the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we keep it pure. It's not ours. It's his. You know, <clears throat> listen, <clears throat> I realize there, there, there are churches out there today, and they don't ask the hard questions because if they ask the hard questions, they might have to uh, disagree with somebody on something. So you can come to church, and you can do whatever you like and be whatever you like. And there are lots of churches out there not like that. There are lots of churches out there where isn't a couple can come and live together and they, yeah, well, that's not our problem. It's between you and God. You know, just not a problem for us. There are lots of churches, you know, where you can have all kinds of wickedness going on in your life and nobody's going to say anything to you. But that's not the way the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to keep itself pure because the church is the bride of Christ. And so that we're supposed to look upon the church and think, you know what, our focus and our job is him by the way do understand this that the focus in the church at large today is not christ the focus is people let's meet the needs of, let's meet the needs of people let's take care of people let's make sure the people are okay let's make sure they're not they're they're they're, they're not struggling too much in their lives let's let's make them let's make sure they're okay and you know god'll have to take whatever he takes because really that's all that's the best we can do And we're not under the law, we're we're under grace. So basically we can do what we like. That's, That's the atmosphere in a lot of churches today. And it's wrong. Because the church is to be focused upon him first off and people second. And by the way, that's best for the people too. That's always best for the people. But the focus of the church is to be Jesus, is to be God. We're supposed to please him. We're supposed to serve him. We're supposed to uh, have it all around him. And listen, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus draws people to himself when he's lifted up. But the focus needs to be him. The focus is not gathering a crowd. Look, I would much sooner preach to a full church than uh, an empty church. Much sooner. That's a whole lot. I mean, it makes the finances of the church run a whole lot better. Uh, If we're full, but you understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is not particularly interested in how big a crowd we have. The Lord Jesus Christ is interested in what's going on in the crowd that we have. He's interested in where are our hearts? What's the reality of our lives? How are we living before him? And that's where we need to be interested in, too. We need to be interested in what is it that's going on in hearts and lives. Now, we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to be a people that are constantly on the you know, on a witch hunt looking for wrong so we can deal with it. But we do want to be a people that prize purity. We have to prize purity, it has to be important. And you know what happens? When I talk like this, everybody gets the gollywobbles I right? Now why why do we why do we feel a bit uneasy? Here's why we feel a bit uneasy, because we're all saying, I wonder if there's anything wrong in my life. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing for us to be checking ourselves out and seeing, Are we okay? You know, it's not a bad, a bad thing to say, oh, well, when does my life match up? That's not a bad thing. That helps us as far as purity is concerned. And part of the function of the church is uh, to help us to holiness and, uh, and to help us to be a pure people. And understand, that's pretty high on God's standard. Now, let me say this to you. You know, <clears throat> you may come to the church and you may say, well, man, I've never heard any of this stuff before. This is all too new for me. This is, um, you know... <clears throat> I'm not sure I want to be a part of an organization that's you know that that kind of steps into your life like this and and goes after you you know the, the the reality of church discipline is it's not something that happens in somebody's life overnight and God gives grace and there is grace but you know what everybody's expected to come up to the standard in their lives everybody's expected to come up to the standard of holiness and it's kind of held before us and God says listen let's do it and you know, when somebody won't do it and the church exercises discipline and that person goes, well, see, we're defeating the whole purpose of it, and it's not working because they don't come back anymore and that's the end. No, 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 no. The purpose of it is to keep the church pure. It's the bride of Jesus Christ and he wants a pure bride. So we've got to be pure. We've got to understand that the little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That if we don't deal with issues that we know about, what happens is they just grow, and before you know it, you can't deal with it. It's kind of the, the, the warp and woof of the church, and you know how do you deal with it then? We got to recognize, no, we're supposed to keep it pure. We're supposed to keep it clean. Um, verse, um, verse seven. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed. For us, therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What's Paul said, Purge it out. Put the man out. That's what he's saying. Paul wrote the letter. He said, I want you to put this man out. Now, do you think some of the people in the church were friendly with him? Of course they were. Do you think maybe he had family in the church? He probably did. Do you think he had connections with this church? And remember, do you think there were other people in the church that weren't exactly living right at the time? There probably were. And you know what happened? This guy was put out and everybody said, Whoa, we better sharpen up our act. We better get ourselves together. We we better start living right. Because you know what? We'll be next. And it helped the church purge. When there was a purging like that, listen, it actually helped the church. And... um, (coughs) That's what Paul was after here. He was after a pure church. Look at verse nine, though. I wrote to you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Now <clears throat> you won't find that in an epistle, right? Because we have um, <clears throat> we have two letters to the Corinthians, but there's a third one, and it went missing. Now don't worry about it. It's not a problem because if it went missing, it means that God didn't want it in the Bible, right? So Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians. He wrote a lot of letters that didn't make it into the Bible. That's not a problem, but he's referring back to that letter here. He's saying, you know, I wrote to you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. And um, <coughs> what happened was um, <coughs> they got confused about this one because they, you know, how are they supposed to not keep company with fornicators? Some of them had unsafe family, and they were living in Corinth, and they were wicked. So they're saying, well, what do we do? Can't I live at home anymore? How am I going to work this one out? What's the deal here, right? Um, and so he's going to explain it to them. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. In other words, it's impossible for us uh, to say, well, we're not going to have anything to do with anybody who's doing any of these sins. Because the truth is, we'd have to go live on the moon. Because it's rampant in society, and and, and society is covered in it. So he's saying, no, listen, Uh, it's not with the people of this world. Now, understand, God puts a difference between the church, that's those who are saved and born again, and between the world. God draws a line between the two. God says, you know, uh, this side of the line he wants to deal with in one way, and that outside of the line he's going to deal with in an entirely different way. You know, you're a child of God tonight. Listen, God's going to deal with you as a child. That means you do wrong. God deals with it. His time, his way, he does it. somebody outside does wrong, they might get away with it. And you're going, that's not fair. I'm his child. He's supposed to love me more. Why is he giving me a hard time? Well, because you're his child. And he's interested in you. And he wants you to get it right. So he's going to discipline you and work with you to get it right. That's actually, the Bible says, a sign of his love. That he loves you. He's going to deal with you uh, and help you in those things, right? So there's a, there's a difference. Now, when it comes to us keeping company, and com- keeping company means having fellowship, means being with, he says, look, there's no possible way for you to decide that <clears throat> you know, y- y- you're know, you not going to be around anybody in the world who, who's a fornicator, uh, who's covetous, who's an extortioner, or, or with an idolater. He says, then, you, then you'd have to go out of the world. But in verse 11, he says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. Be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. Would such an one know not to eat? What's he saying there? He's saying the believer who's living in sin and doing wrong and not living right—you're not to be around them. You're not to spend time with them. You know, when we put somebody out of the church, what we do is we say, "Well, look, you know, the friendship, the fellowship." Is broken based upon the sin. It's not that you can't see them, but what you do is when you see them, when you're with those people, what you're going to do is you're going to work with uh, them as far as getting right. But you're no longer going to hang out with them. You can't hang out with them anymore because you're not to have fellowship uh, with those people. Now, you say, uh, we've had some people and they've had family. Right they've, they've mother and father, perhaps, who were, were disciplined out of the church, and, and then you have kids, Well, are the kids supposed to move out of the house? Well, no, that's, that's not reasonable to do. But <clears throat> you know uh, but when it comes to just us being friends and hanging around with them, when we know believers are in sin and living wrong and doing and doing wrong, we're not to hang out with them. Does't mean you can't minister to them? Doesn't mean you can't try and help them, but we're not hanging out with them with friends, as friends. Now, understand that the relationship changes when somebody gets disciplined. They're going to discipline this poor guy out of the church. They're going to, you know, at their next meeting, put him out because of his sin. And then, you know, he's going to come around to somebody's house and knock on the door and want to come in for, you know, a cup of tea or whatever it was that they had in in Corinth at the time. And, And they're going to say, no, you can't come in. You say, but, Pastor, that's mean. That's what it takes. That's what's needed. In order for you to keep the purity of the church, you have to keep it. You have to be careful. That when you know believers that are living wrong, you don't spend time with them. Because what happens when you spend time with them? It rubs off on you. Listen, (coughs) evil communications corrupt good manners. Listen, Many of you (coughs) have had a child, right? And um, (coughs) the child will have a friend that you're not particularly happy with. Right, <clears throat> and you know, when your child gets around this friend that you're not particularly happy with, that they'll come back with a different attitude. You might say a different smell off them, right? And you look at your kid and you think, oh no, now I got stuff to deal with, right? Because your friend has been with that other person. Because it's the reality. Our friends, the people w- we're with, always have an impact on us. They just do. They always impact us. (coughs) Um, Somebody said that one bad apple will spoil the barrel. Yeah? Does a barrel ever make a bad apple a good apple? No. It doesn't. Now, look, I'm not saying that you can't work with somebody who's got a bad background, but they've got to want to do right. But you being around them, if they want to do wrong, is not going to make them right. It is not going to change them. It's not going to make them. What they will do is they will spoil the barrel. That's just the reality of it. Parents, get sense. Closely monitor who your kids can be with. Closely, don't let them be with people that you know are a bad influence on them. And I have, I believe that every mother, and fathers have it too, but I think every mother particularly, every mother has a sixth sense instinct that, uh, you know, the, her, her antennae go up and, you know, the, the alarm starts to bleep when she sees her child around somebody. Heed it. If your child is being around somebody that's a bad influence on them, yank them out of the relationship. You say, but you can't do that to them. They need to be free to make their own friends. Okay, so you're going to spend your time teaching them the word of God and bringing them to church and hoping they'll be raised up to walk with God and live for God. And you're going to let somebody who doesn't love God, doesn't care about God, and would just as soon drag them away from God, influence them and ruin all that. You're nuts. You're crazy. Listen, parents, you have a God-given Right, not just a right, but a duty to say who your kids are going to hang out with. It's way too important. Look, you can make this nice little home and make things right in the home and keep things right in the home and everything's right there. And you got your child with this one bad apple that's tearing them down. And you're going to rue the day. You're going to look back and you're going to be so sorry that you allowed it. And you say, but I want my child to have a good influence on them. They won't. That's just reality. The leaven leavens the whole lump. The bad apple infects the good. It's not a case of, listen, the, 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 the good apples are going to make the bad apple good. That doesn't happen. Wake up. Get sense. Fight the fight. Listen, raising your children in 2012 is war. And if you don't fight tooth and nail for your kids, and one of the areas you're going to have to fight for uh, is in the people that they're around, listen, you're going to lose them. And you say, well, he's a Christian. What exactly does that mean, the fact that he's a Christian? Oftentimes, you know, that means nothing more than he goes to church. The fact that some child comes to church because his parents drag him to church doesn't make him a Christian. Did you know that? And he may be born again, but if he's not living like it, it doesn't count. It just doesn't count. And you say, but pastor, you're being so hard. Look, I'm telling you, that's what Paul said for this church to do. He didn't say embrace this man and love him to righteousness. He said, put him out because he's going to tear you all down. Put him out. And they did. And in this case, it worked more even than Paul expected because the guy got right. But understand this, that listen, you're good, Apple. Apple will not make the bad apple good. The bad apple will always make your good apple bad. That's just the way of it. That is the way it works. That's the principle of life that, that, that works here. It's always the same. When I, was, I was talking to the, the school kids, and we had an illustration. <coughs> I put one kid standing on a table, and <coughs> I had the, the, the bigger kid standing on the table trying to pull the smaller smaller kid up, but the smaller kid was trying to pull the bigger kid down at the same time. Guess who won? The smaller kid, why? Because it's much easier to pull down than it is to pull up. Much easier. When it comes to spiritual things, it's much easier for your child to get pulled down than it is for your child to pull somebody else up. Now, parents, y- you got to be a bit ruthless. Dads, you got to get some guts about you. you got to stand in the doorway and say, listen, you're not welcome here anymore. Uh, un- understand that we don't want you calling around, we don't want you being in our home, and we don't want you being around our boy. You say, oh, I couldn't do that. That would be. Listen, if you love your family, you will. If you love your family, you'll take the rap. You'll just say, no way. This is not happening. You may have to make a phone call to a parent and say, look, I've pulled the plug. Our, friend, our kids aren't going to be friends anymore because, listen, this is wrong. This is not right. And if you don't, you pay the price. Look, all of you parents know how much a friend can infect you. How many of you did something bad simply because you were with the wrong crowd? The rest of you can't remember. That's one of those things the rest of you just can't remember. All right? We've all done bad things because we were with the wrong crowd. Because we're social creatures and when the push of the crowd comes on, we'll do it. Your kid's around the wrong crowd. The wrong crowd He's going to do bad things. You know, that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. You have got to dig in and fight and the fighting's going to be hard sometimes. Look, your kid may give you a hard time and they may spend time around around somebody who's not good for them when you don't know about it. But you know what? You ought to be fighting all the time. And you know, if you're a parent, God's on your side. When Ori was off, and I hate talking about Ori because the Ori that was off is a different man to the man (coughs) that we know today. But when Ori was off, he had this friend. We forbid him to be around this guy. There was no way he was to be around this guy. (coughs) So we're both sitting in Val's mom's house on the Nace Road one day (coughs) and there's a phone call. And um, Vasmo answers the phone, and she says, <coughs> "No, you, you must have the wrong number. Um, there's, there's, there's nobody here. There's nobody of that name here." And she put the phone down. And she said, "That sounded very like Oriel. And we asked, "Who was, who was he looking for?" And Ori named this friend. You know what Ori was doing? Ori was actually phoning his friend, but he dialed his grandmother's number on the, at the wrong time. And we're actually sitting at the other end, finding out what he's doing. Isn't that just like God? <laughs> We were able to go home and ask, why were you phoning so-and-so? <clears throat> but you're, God's on your side. Listen, if you're if you're fighting for your kids, God's on your side. He's going to help you. Your kids should never be with people that are bad for them, which you're, and, and you condone them. You, they're not in the driving seat. Your, young person, look up at me. <clears throat> teenager, you're not in the driving seat. You don't choose your own friends. You say, that's draconian, Pastor. I wish I was going to some other church. No, listen, that's for your good. God put you in a family because he wanted to protect you so that you could grow up straight and true. And part of the protection is not letting you be around the wrong crowd. My parents, listen, you are warned. If you don't do it, it rests upon your own head. You don't let your kids be around other kids that are bad for them. You say, but my friends will be upset with me. Let your friends be upset with you. You can't afford to lose your kids. You can afford to lose your friends. You know, listen. Deal with those issues. All right. Okay. That 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 is always the way it is, though. It's always the 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 one that's not going in the right direction that that pulls the one that isn't going in the right direction, and you lose your kids on the head of it. All right. Back to what we're looking at here, though. And he, what Paul is saying to them here, he's saying, listen. Not with the people of the world, but as far as the people who are called brothers, I want you to separate from them when they're doing wrong. And you've got to be a separatist. Being a separatist is part of what the Bible says. Being a separatist uh, is a dirty word in our day and age. Being a separatist, you know, is kind of somebody who separates from other people. And man, love embraces everybody. No, love doesn't embrace everybody. Love never embraces darkness. Love never, never embraces darkness. Love draws lines for darkness. Listen, you, you may have a child that, listen, you're not going to let be around your child. You may say to that kid, now look, if you want help, I will help show you what God wants for your life. That's going to help them. They may not take it, but that's going to help them. You know, <clears throat> but love never embraces, uh, embraces darkness. And you've got to separate. There are the people that you can't fellowship. And by the way, uh, <clears throat> adults, parents, you may be here today and you may think, well, you know what, I <clears throat> it's okay. I, I can hang out with them, I'll be okay. No, you can't. You can try and witness to them. You can try and draw them to Christ. You can try and uh, and hold the line. But But you can't hang out with them if they're going to be doing their wrong things and making you dumb down your Christianity. If you can't be who you are around somebody, then don't be around them. If you can't be who you are, a child of God, then don't be around them. Just don't do it. If you've got to dumb it down, and and I understand there are complications on that one. There are families sometimes and people you've got to be around. But look, don't make even family your close associates if they make you dumb down your faith. If they make you be quiet about it. Don't do it because you're going to get eroded over time. Look, that's what the church is about. The church is about providing a safe haven so that you can grow in the Lord and grow close to the Lord. That's what it's about. You know, you've got you've got organizations that God set up. He set up the government to protect us. I right? the government is not our enemy. The government protects us. It's not perfect. It gets it wrong, but the government protects us. He he set up the family. The family is the basic unit of society. It's to protect. Dad, you're the protector of the home. You're the one that takes the hit. You're the one that's responsible. You protect the home. Mom is your 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 your, your chief a uh, counselor and, and general, she's with the kids. She knows what's going on. I mean, but your job is to protect. You're going to, you're going to protect the home. You're going to make sure that things are okay in the home. You're going to build the gates and build the perimeters and build the walls and protect the home. And then you've got the church. And the church has the function of making a safe place for Christians to grow and to be. Now, if the family's not working right, church's going to have a hard time. It really is. But the church is supposed to, and what the church does is the church finally comes to the place where it disciplines people. And look, listen, we're all about growing the church and about more people coming and the more the merrier and the, uh, the more that are in here, the happier. But the more the merrier of a cost our purity is not what we want. And we have to make hard lines. We have to come down on God's side of things and say, no, we're not doing this. And that's what church discipline is about. And you've got to take at times and you've got to separate from people. And when we put somebody out, you've got to say, well, look, that's it. And my friendship with you is over. I I can't hang out with you anymore. That's just none and gone. Why? Because that's what Paul said. That's what God says you've got to do. That's not what I said. That's what Paul's saying you've got to do. You've got to separate from those people. I wonder tonight, are there people in your life that you actually need to draw a line with? Are there people in your life that you need to draw back from? (coughs) Paul says, what am I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. Understand this, that God will judge the people that are without. But we're supposed to judge the people that are within. Now, we'll come back to this, and we'll look at the issues that we deal with as far as church discipline are concerned, and we'll look at the scripture next week as far as those things are concerned. But but here's the basic issue we have to catch tonight, right? Look, God is interested in the purity of the church. And if he's interested in it, we have to be interested in it too. Now, when it comes to church discipline, church discipline is not my job. Church discipline is your job. It's when the church comes together that the church does this. You know, Paul didn't call the pastor Corinth and tell him to do it. What he did was he told the church to do it. Now, the pastor would have led them in it, but the church were to do it. So that you've got to get the heart and the mindset of God and say, you know, we're going we're to do discipline w- when we need to. You know, we're not going to shy and not attend a meeting because that would be a very hard meeting and we don't want to be there. No, we're going to actually do it. And if you're going to do discipline in the church, you know what? You're going to do discipline in your life. And if you're going to separate from people, you're going to separate from people outside as well. And you're going to say, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be around this. I'm not going to let my family be eroded. I'm not going to let my Christianity be eroded. I'm not going to let my church be eroded. And church discipline does work. Church discipline purifies the church, and that's its purpose and its function. I I wish everybody that got disciplined would turn around and come back. But even if they don't, it still works because it keeps the church pure. And we need, as a church, to make sure that Lifegate Bible Baptist Church is the kind of place that Jesus Christ is happy to walk. That the people of LifeGate Bible Baptist Church are the kind of people that Jesus Christ will be happy to join himself to at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We need in our hearts to set our focus and our goal on being the right kind of people. You say, well, the other churches are not doing it. It's much easier to go to the other churches. Yeah, but it's not right. It's right to come down on God's side of it. We need to be a godly people, a godly church with our heart and a focus to serve him and to do it his way. All right now, we'll come back to this next week, and we'll <clears throat> and we'll touch off some of the issues that we we need to deal with. But let's ask the Lord to bless us and to keep us pure as a church. Father, we come to you tonight. We do thank you, Lord, for your work in our hearts and in our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you would take and you would bless. Blessed Spirit of the Living God, would you move in hearts and lives? Would you deal with us, Lord? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands on this one tonight. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But God has spoken to you about some part of the message tonight. God has dealt with you uh, in some area tonight. And you'd like to recognize that and say, yes, God has spoken to me. Would you lift your hand? Amen. Amen. That is good. Amen. Now, Father, would you bless us? Because, Lord, we need to hear from you. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us tonight. And, Lord, may it be that... (coughs) Uh, your blessed spirit rests on Lifegate Bible Baptist Church until the day that Jesus comes. And Lord, may it be that this is a place that you feel comfortable to be in. Uh, may it be that we are a people that you are happy uh, to, to walk with, and Lord, that you will be happy to join with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. May we be a pure church in Jesus' precious name. Amen.